2: This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection. Reserve the USS Shenzhou today for only $9.95 by visiting EagleMoss.com slash Discovery Starships. Let's do something we don't normally do. <laughs> uh, song and Dance?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe that later. Although I think both of us have been known. Well, I know I've been known to sing a mm-hmm. time or two on this mm-hmm. show and I dance every time. It's just people can't see because, yep. you know, it's audio. Um, It's not quite a disclaimer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but if you're in the habit of listening to Mission Log with your kids, you may want to listen to this episode without them first. Now, as, as we begin, uh, we're really beginning. We haven't actually started recording yet. So I'm not telling you we're going to say something horribly offensive or, or whatever. But I know that this episode is going to touch on themes that y- you may want to have other kinds of discussions with your kids about them. Or you may be the kind of person who doesn't want to have these discussions with your kids at all. And either one of those is fine. It's just generally speaking, we feel pretty good about saying, sure, listen with a 12-year-old. End up. You know, maybe a particularly mature 10-year-old. <laughs> um, but but uh, today, we're both thinking, you may want to give this one a listen yourself uh, before, before you have the kids uh, join in. So, I don't want to say you're warned, uh, but you are.
1: Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 253, Sub Rosa.
2: Welcome to Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Each week on Mission Log, we watch an episode
0: of Star Trek, taking it apart for messages, morals, and meanings, and seeing whether the whole thing holds up. This week, get ready for one of the scariest episodes of Star Trek ever to be made.
2: Because it's a ghost story.
0: Oh, yeah, that too. No, I was thinking because it's Sub Rosa, the one where Beverly falls for a ghost. I mean, a candle. I mean, her
2: nana's lover. John's got trivia just ahead, but first. But first, a word from our friends at Eagle Moss and the officially authorized Star Trek Starships Collection featuring Star Trek Discovery Starships, available only from Eagle Moss Collections. So... This collection features the brand new ship concepts from that brand new show, Star Trek Discovery. Each one has gone through extensive reference study and reproduced under the strict supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson for accuracy and detail. Are we violating the timeline by talking about
0: it? You bet we are. But here's the thing: they're awesome. It's actually really amazing to me that they um, that they are there this much on the game, or this much ahead. I suppose mm-hmm. these uh, these ships are going to be hitting uh, right about the midpoint, actually of Discovery's uh, first season run. John will tell you more about that in a second. In the meantime, let me let you know what ship you're getting. It's the Shenju is the one that they're starting off with. Uh, these are the bigger ones. These are not the tiny little starships. Uh, they're about eight inches. And what's really cool is you know the detail that you get on the tiny little starships. Well, they can give you that detail in bigger ways because they basically got a bigger canvas with which to play. Each ship comes with the same display stand that you love, and it comes with those amazing collector magazines that tell you both about the design of the ship, like, in our world, and then it gives you history of the ship in the Star Trek universe as well. Um, And it's that kind of, like, you know, it's that kind of in-universe information that, that really turns me on about those things.
2: Yeah, and here's the thing. They are coming in limited quantities starting in early 2018, so right now... As of you hearing this show right now is the time to guarantee your subscription. And you can do that very easily by reserving your first ship, the USS Shenzhou NCC-1227, for only $9.95 with free shipping. So the ship itself will be sent out to you on or before January 31st, 2018.
0: New models will then follow along and be delivered directly to your door. Subscribers can enjoy an exclusive 20% discount on every Starship in the series, along with free shipping. You can, of course, cancel at any time, but then uh, you're discovering a whole lot less of the Discovery Starships, aren't you? <laughs> yes.
2: So, for details on the entire collection and to reserve your place among the first to subscribe, visit slash Discovery Starships. That address one more time slash Discovery Starships. And again, we thank Eagle Moss for sponsoring Mission Log.
0: I don't want to keep people from trivia for too long, but I do want to let them know how to get in touch with us. In fact, hey, people, let me tell you, please, how to get in touch with us. Uh, Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we would love to hear your voice. 323-522-5641 is the phone number to call. 323-522-5641. Our email address is missionlog at com. Our show website, including discovered documents, is at MissionLogPodcast.com. You can leave comments there as well. And please do remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. I feel like I've held this trivia train up for far too long. Uh, Please, Conductor Champion. Take it away. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Here we go. Am I ready? Yeah. All aboard the trivia
2: train, because it's rolling through right now. Woot, woot. All right. Trivia <laughs> for Sub Rosa. This episode is based on a story by Gina F. Gallo, um, putting that open submission policy to use again. Gina was a longtime Star Trek fan, going back to the original series. She sent in the pitch for this episode, and therefore she gets a based upon material by credit here. This is her only professional credit in entertainment, but she actually did pitch a story for Voyager, which was made. She didn't get a credit for that one, though, at least not on screen. So the story was molded into shape by Jerry Taylor, and she's the one who really championed this idea to get made. Uh, The point was to do something outside of Star Trek's usual storytelling and dabble in a romance with gothic themes. So ultimately, that teleplay credit goes to Brannon Braga. He has a penchant for weird, for horror, for gothic, etc. It seemed like the right fit, and he and Jerry Taylor were really the two who were excited To tell this story, it has a lot of influence from the movie *The Innocents*, um, and Brandon and Jerry both readily admit that. If you haven't seen the movie, do check it out. Um, 1961, Truman Capote co-wrote the screenplay. It's one of those horror films I like where it's just as much about the psychological horror as it is the prospect of something supernatural. Uh, it stars Deborah Carr and uh, Peter Wingard, who I, of course, know and love as Clytus from Flash Gordon. Uh, so do give that a look if you can. And uh, Brannon even took a couple of character names for this episode from that movie. So the the ties are even deeper there. Hey, uh, this is called Subrosa. Know what that means, Ken? Uh, beneath the rose. Very good. Do you know why it is called beneath <laughs> the rose, or what what that means?
0: I'm I'm sorry. I'm actually stunned that I was right about that. Yeah, well, and you're, yeah, you're totally that was right. Far too simple. You're,
2: really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. It has a really cool backstory. So uh, uh, wait, ben- I would think it would have to do with the flower that he was tossing on her grave. Nope.
0: Nope. Okay. Nope. Well, nope. I got one anyway. So, I should have stopped. I should have stopped. I should have said thank you and good night right there. That's what I should have <laughs> sub- done.
2: Sub-rosec is a Latin phrase that, uh, yes, literally under the rose. But the reason is that uh, th- this was sort of a shorthand that uh, if you had a meeting of, of Romans, maybe officially in some official capacity, if you saw a rose, that meant that what was being said, what was being discussed was to be kept quiet. This was a secret meeting. So this is sort of a visual shorthand to say uh-uh, not to be discussed with everybody. So there you go. The episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, and this is the last of his directing credits on the TV series Next Generation. Uh, The last one of his that we talked about was Attached. There will be more of his work to look at in the coming years. And, uh, Ken, if you looked really closely in the graveyard, you can kind of tell in HD uh, tombstones in that graveyard. We have uh, McFly and we have (laughs) Vader. (laughs) So, Mm. yeah, yeah. It was kind of kind of fun for the art department on that one. Um, Here is another question for you: What does Ronin mean? Pass. Okay, well, Ronin sort of generically means uh, a wanderer, a traveler, um, but mm-hmm. very specifically in Japanese, it, it's sort of a, uh, a, a, a samurai without a uh, without a leader. Right. So, yeah. And and uh, you didn't know that. I didn't know that, although I knew that there was the movie Ronan, and I kind of knew that the, that had some story there. Uh, Brandon didn't know that either. He just named the character and then, oh, look, in Japanese, that that has sort of uh, a meaning that could tie into the character, too. How cool. How lucky for us. There are deleted scenes for this episode. If you're watching the Blu-ray version, um, we have a little more at the opening uh, in the eulogy for Beverly's grandmother. It kind of goes on way too long with a reading of a gingerbread recipe. Look, I know it was supposed to be poignant, but uh, you can tell exactly why they trimmed this for time. Um, There's a very, very short bit of dialogue which references Jack Crusher in conversation between Deanna and Beverly. And I I kind of wish they had kept that in there. It's not crucial, but Beverly talks about, oh, yeah, that's when I moved to Earth, meaning that this colony was home. You know, there's really the mm. only home that she knew. And then I moved to Earth with Jack. So a little more interesting backstory on her if we had kept that line in uh, in the final cut. About the only problem with that is why would she have gone to Earth?
0: Because, like, I mean, I, I sort of get why they cut it. Because then you, you do what I'm doing right now, trying to figure out, okay, so she grew up here. She marries Jack. Mm. She goes to Earth, but he's serving in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. So... Why would she move to Earth anyway? Why wouldn't she just be here if he's going to have a wait time?
2: Or, you know, surely if he could just as easily have it here as he could there. Mm. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe she needed to experience something other than a Scottish diet. Uh, <sighs> like she was, you know. You get a problem with haggis, mister? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> right. And... Um, one more short little bit with uh ned quint uh, uh more of his warning to beverly about being in the house and how she needs to get out so uh, but we kind of already hit that in other scenes so you can see why that one was trimmed for time as well a uh, handful of guest stars to talk about here of course we get a glimpse of nana felisa howard as played here by ellen albertini dow now the character was actually named after Brandon's grandmother so, again, Brandon putting in all these uh, interesting tidbits into his script. So remember that rapping granny in The Wedding Singer? Well, that was <laughs> Ellen. And, uh, yes, yeah, she actually did perform that. Uh, so she, she memorized that rap and she did that in The Wedding Singer. Um, she had been a drama and dance coach for decades and didn't start her professional on-camera career until the 1980s. When she was already in her 70s, um, a lot of TV roles followed, as well as feature films like Wedding Crashers and Road Trip. She passed away in 2015 at the age of 101. Now, the alien governor of Caldos, Maturin, was played by Michael Keenan. Michael is primarily a TV guest actor, but he has had recurring roles on Dallas and Picket Fences. We will see him again in a short recurring role on Deep Space Nine and then again on Voyager. Ned is played by Shay Duffin. He's Irish, born in Dublin. In addition to TV roles, Shay had roles in some landmark films like Raging Bull, Titanic, and The Departed. Finally, Ronan is played by Duncan Rager. Wow. He was Dracula in the movie The Monster Squad. And if that wasn't enough pop culture goodness for you, he played Zorro in the early 90s TV series. And on top of that, he was Charles in the TV series V. He got his start in Vancouver, where he grew up, even hosting a TV talk show when he was 14 years old. And he's one of those actors we will see again on track when he comes back for a recurring stint on Deep Space Nine
1: fun fact while conversations held sub Rosa were never meant to be discussed publicly many feel the same way about this episode of Star Trek
0: Prologue Beverly's grandmother Felisa Howard has died and the enterprise is orbiting the planet Caldos for her funeral. Beverly's grandmother was a healer, an advisor and an inspiration. People pay their silent respects and, hey, who's the hottie that just threw a camellia on Nana's grave? Act 1. One question preoccupies Dr. Crusher. Who was the hottie that threw a camellia on Nana's grave? That was Nana's favorite flower. Counselor Troy didn't see the guy, so she can't say. A friend, maybe? A patient? Beverly thinks not. The gesture was very personal. Beverly's got some things to take care of at her grandmother's house. She and the counselor head that way. Captain Picard, meanwhile, is chatting with Caldos colony's Governor Maturin. Caldos was an early terraforming colony, one of the Federation's first, and they could use some upgrades. To the weather system, for example. Picard says they'll stay a few days and make it so. The whole thing is meant to feel like Scotland, because... Why not? Back in Nana Manor, Deanna and Beverly are chatting. Looking at a picture, Troy says Beverly's grandmother had remarkable green eyes. Beverly says all of the Howard women did, except for her and her mother. When her mother died, Felisa raised Beverly. A candle catches Deanna's eye. Beverly says it's an heirloom, been in the family for generations. It goes with the Howards where they do. The shining light to guide them through their fortune. Beverly says she'll be taking it with her. Then Deanna leaves the doctor for a little alone time in her grandmother's house. Beverly heads upstairs with her grandmother's journal, giving Groundskeeper Willie time to come in, blow out the Howard candle, and really upset Dr. Crusher. Actually, he's Ned Quent, a caricature, and he'll know to her telling him off. He's been here, she hasn't, and that candle is bad news. It's a curse. Has been for generations. If she's smart, she'll toss it. Instead, she tosses Quent. Fine. He's done with them. Back on the Enterprise, Data, Geordi, and Governor Maturin are talking about the weather, also known as the B-plot. The weather on Kaldos is really weird all of a sudden. But no worries. They'll fix it in time for... <sighs> the Caber Toss, scheduled for tomorrow... Meanwhile, Dr. Crusher is telling Captain Picard that she's been reading her Nana's journals. Nana, 100-year-old Nana, had a 34-year-old lover. They spent almost all of their time together. The weird thing, though... Okay, another weird thing, though... Nana never mentioned this. Ronan. Later, Beverly falls asleep, reading Phyllis's journal by candlelight. When the candle flickers out... Unseen hands begin undressing the doctor. She wakes when a ghostly voice whispers her name. Act Two Beverly and Deanna are talking in 10 Ford. They're supposed to be doing personnel reports, but all Beverly can think about is the dream that she had last night. Well, less a dream than a presence. It felt so real. He knew exactly how she liked to be touched. Troy figures Beverly got turned on by reading Nana's journals. Keep reading your Nana's journals. You may have more awesome dreams. Later, back on Caldos, Beverly bumps into Ned Quint at Felisa's grave. Having read Felisa's journals, Beverly knows now that she and Flint were close. Yeah, your Nana was cool. Beverly says Ned can stay at the house if he likes, but he says no. The house is haunted, and don't like that candle. It's where the ghost lives. He's angry now the ghost is. That's why he's bringing the storms. Beverly explains that a malfunction in the weather station is bringing the storms. But, says Ned, who do you think broke the weather stations? With one more warning, Ned takes off. Just as the storm gathers strength. Beverly heads back to her grandmother's house for shelter. This storm is no joke. They're picking it up on the Enterprise. Geordie thinks they should set up a power transfer from the ship to the weather system to try to tame the outbreak. Picard agrees. Back at Nana's? Wow. This place is full of camellias. Act 3. There's a... present at Nana's place. In a mirror, Beverly is startled to see the handsome stranger from the funeral behind her. But she spins, and he's not there. He does start talking to her, though. Identifying himself as Ronan. And telling her everything. Last night was not a dream. He came to her. He's professing his love for her, and, well, taking liberties would be putting it mildly. He also explains, he was born in Glasgow on Earth in 1647. He found a home 800 years ago with Giselle Howard, and he's been passed Howard mother to Howard daughter every generation since. And now, says Ronan, the two of them will become one. Back on the Enterprise, Deanna stops by to see if Beverly wants to go to exercise class. Beverly says no, but it gives the counselor time for a good gossip. It looks to her like Beverly has met someone. Someone for whom she has feelings. Beverly confesses. She's met Ronan, her grandmother's lover. And he's dreamy. Of course, she leaves out the part about him being a ghost. But she includes the part where she's never met anyone so passionate Though the situation is unusual, Deanna says she's happy for Beverly. One thing to consider, though, both Ronan and Beverly have suffered a loss. Shared trauma can create the illusion of closeness and romance. Yeah, thanks. Bye. On the bridge, a fog has rolled in. Not figuratively, literally. Weather on the Enterprise is getting screwed up. Some sort of feedback from the power relay. Can somebody please fix that? Data can't disconnect the power transfer. He'll have to go to the weather relay station. There, Data and Geordie find Ned Quint. He's ranting that he's trying to kill us all. So Quint's trying to kill the power station. Instead, a power surge kills Quint. Act 4. Governor Maturin says Quint trying to kill the weather station makes no sense. He was a good guy. That's not the only weird thing, though. Beverly says there's some other kind of energy in Quint's system. Whatever killed him, it wasn't a power surge. Data says he cannot ID the energy, but it does have the same signature as the fluctuations they've seen in the power beam. It's possible that whatever's messing up the weather system also killed Quint. Jordy says they should scan the colony for anything else with that anaphasic signature. Dr. Crusher sends Quint's body back to the ship for tests. She has other things to attend to. Actually, one thing. Ronan. Back at her grandmother's house, she tries to confront him about Quint's death, but wow, Ronan is real now? Yes, it's him. In the flesh. It's hard to look this good. No, seriously, taking physical form is very difficult for him. It is hard to look anything He needs Beverly to light the candle, please. Yes, Quint was right. It is Ronan's home. And if it's out for too long, or too far away, Ronan gets weak. Beverly says it's on the ship. She'll go get it, but he says no. He needs to go with her. He'll travel up the power transfer beam, then she can light the candle, and they can be together. Always. Back on the Enterprise, Beverly lights the candle and waits like a junkie for a hit. And it comes. Ronan is there, promising to be with her, to take care of her. And she will feel love as she has never felt it before. And with that, they are one. Not in a sexual way. He's a green mist or something. With which she seems to be having sex. Cut to a transporter room where Beverly is in civilian clothes. She's resigned her commission. She's leaving the ship and staying on Caldos to become a healer like her grandmother. Picard argues, but she's resigned her commission? Unless he's planning to kidnap her. And the captain has no choice. He allows her to beam away. Act five. Captain Picard and Counselor Troy are talking over the whole Ronan Beverly thing. Picard wonders whether Ronan is exerting some sort of control over Beverly. Both Captain and Counselor agree that Beverly has made a rash decision, but whether they agree with it, it is her right to make that decision. Now, remember the search for an anaphasic signature in the colony? Jordy and Data have found it in the cemetery. They'll go down to pinpoint the source, and you'll never guess where they find it. Nana's grave. At Nana's place, Crusher and Ronan, in convenient mist form, are doing it. He says they're nearly merged. Soon, they will be one. They're interrupted, though, by a knock at the door. It's Picard. Just dropping by to meet this Ronan fellow. Crusher says he's not there. Have you changed the color of your eyes? They're green now. Yeah, I did that on purpose. Myself. Totally my choice. Picard says he liked her better the way she was before, but she does not care. This is how she is now, and it is her life. Now he can go. But no, he says, there's something wrong here. This is more than an obsessive love affair that's got out of hand. How is it that no one has seen Ronan but you? And with that, Ronan appears. You know, just walking down the stairs like a dude who's totally not a ghost. So he's there when Jordy calls to say the anaphasic energy signature isn't coming from Nana's grave. It's coming from Nana's coffin. Can they dig her up, please? If the governor says it's okay, it's fine with Picard. And Ronan is not happy. Leave her alone. But Picard has a ton of questions. How did you get here? How long have you been here? Seriously, what is your deal? Under the barrage of questions, Ronan sort of winks out of existence. Picard reaches for Beverly, but is hit with the same sort of green lightning that killed Ned Quint. The disembodied voice of Ronan tells Beverly they have to stop the others, but Beverly has to save Picard. Picard's fine, of course, and he urges Beverly to go to the cemetery to stop Ronan. At the cemetery, Jordi and Data have Nana's coffin open. They're talking over what to do when the old woman opens her eyes and zaps Data and Jordi with the same green lightning that knocked out Picard and killed Ned Quint. And now, Crusher knows that Ronan's been dosing her with small amounts of the same energy. He's no ghost. He's some sort of anaphasic life form. He needs a host body. And Quint was right. He really does live in the candle uh, when he's not living in a Howard woman. He's been using them for centuries. And he loved all of them, he yells. And they loved him. Oh, not good enough. Beverly destroys the candle, and then, with a few phaser bursts, she kills Ronan. Back aboard the Enterprise, Beverly's back in uniform. Talking it over with Deanna, she figures... There was some biological something that made her family a match for Ronan. Despite being what he was, Beverly's a little sad about how things ended. Whatever else he might have done, Ronan did make Beverly's grandmother very happy. The end. Also, Ike Turner ran a tight band and Harvey Weinstein made some good movies. What the? Sorry, really, the end.
2: Did you uh, did, did you tip your hand there at the end, Ken? I'm sorry, I, I was... I, did, did I? I heard a little, like, I heard at the end, and then I kind of got distracted, <laughs> and then I wasn't... Yeah. Okay. True
0: to my word at the top of the show, though, I did not curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. See, I, yeah, I, we're not going to drop a bunch of four-letter words in this show. We we bleeped that out last week. Well,
0: in fairness, I don't actually count the number of letters in each word. There may be many four-letter words sure yeah sure could be Uh, no no curse words though i think nope 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 (laughs) unless you count that candle (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) because it's a curse you know it's a curse thing.
2: okay (laughs) let's let's and curse is a four-letter word um so let's see what we got in this episode still great plastic surgery in the future green eyes yeah done you want green eyes boom that was not plastic surgery that was ronin what are you talking about you, you, you think Ronan would actually change the eyes? Because I, I thought that was just a thing that she did. She was like, well, it's green lightning. Yeah, I saw the green lightning. He's a green yeah. mist. He's a green mist. It's green energy. She's just got the green energy. In
0: I her believe eyes. that once. He, well, because he keeps saying all the way through, they are almost merged. See, what I can't figure out is do they live as like sort of a symbiotic thing or does he just take over? Is he actually living for 600, 800 years as a as various Scottish women? I think it is symbiotic. I think actually the writing in the journal Mm -hmm. indicates that Nana had a relationship with with Ronan. But but yes, I don't think he
2: he is indeed a separate being. Right.
0: But I think I think Ronan's inhabiting uh, Beverly or starting to uh, starting to inhabit Beverly
2: is changing the color of her eyes. He's, he's starting to move in. He's starting to, like, put paint on the walls, right. even if he hasn't totally signed the lease yet. Because go back to what she said before. Every woman for
0: 800 years in the Howard family has had green eyes, except for her mother and her. What do they have in common? Yeah. I mean, aside from being related, um, they're the only two that have never been inhabited by Ronan.
2: Well, that's true. And lucky for her mother. <laughs>
0: Except for the part where she's dead and has been since Beverly was a kid, but yes, I understand. I mean, there, what you're there's saying. that
2: unfortunate part. There's that unfortunate. Yes, part.
0: but I think I think the green eyes are a byproduct of of relationship with Ronan, not not okay. not not surgery. Although, all right, very good. I'm glad we have that clear. Yeah, as you say, obviously it is something you can just do because Picard's like, did you did you change the color of your eyes? And she's like, yeah, because we do yeah. that if we wanna.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed very matter of fact.
0: It'd be kind of fun. Just do do the whole Marilyn Manson thing. Just like you know, one brown eye, one blue eye, whatever. <laughs> just, I'm crazy up in here. You're my first officer. Do you? I, I don't know which I look in. I'm just saying it's weird, Will. It's weird.
2: Yeah. Oh, but oh, how cool would that be, though? <laughs> It'd yeah. be pretty cool. Um, it, it, I, I want to mention the burial service just for a little bit because. I, when I read this, and this is something that uh, uh, was reported on Memory Alpha, so I don't know the, the source of who is pulling the original as reference here, mm-hmm. but um, there, there was something really interesting to me uh, that made me think about our first episode when we talked about the cage, and we talked about how the Tolosians referred to uh, hell as, uh, as an ancient legend you heard on Earth.
0: You know? Something along those lines, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, th- there was a mention here about the, uh, the the service that they're doing at the beginning of the episode and how uh, it- it's sort of an Anglican tradition, but the words are slightly different to sort of frame this as a more secular version of that service.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be secure in the
2: knowledge that we'll all meet again in heaven right right so the the uh, the original line yeah sure and certain hope of the resurrection unto eternal life mm-hmm. but they changed it here sure and certain hope that her memory will be kept alive within <laughs> us all yes yeah yeah that's a very specific change yeah and and you know sort of says something about um i i know it's interesting in star trek we've pointed this out many times and we've had things that that are definitely traditions and and religiously steeped traditions that carry on in this future version, but probably don't have the same exact meaning that they did in the past. And from Star Trek's point of view, the past being now or our recent past.
0: Well, even uh, well, first of all, don't worry about whether they got the words right in Memory Alpha, because having been to a few Episcopalian uh, funeral services over the past uh-huh. few years. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, you yeah. got the
0: you got the wording right. Okay, um, but the but the other thing is, um, it's like saying "Happy Holidays," right? I mean, even mm-hmm. if, even if even if we're not in a Talosian future here, where you know it turns out there's no religion, there's no God, everything you know, everybody's like cool with the fact, everybody's atheists or whatever. Even if you're not doing that, I mean, they would want to be more inclusive in the Star Trek future, right? Sure. So you don't want to say. Yeah, the whole thing about the resurrection, because who knows? Maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your religion. Maybe it's your religion. Maybe it's your religion over there. Look under your seat. You get a religion. You get a
1: religion.
0: <laughs> you get a religion. And so you're not going to say, yeah, but really, Jesus, right? I mean, yeah. you're going right, to say, like, right, yeah, right. no, it's cool, because we're all going to remember her in our own way. And maybe you'll see her in heaven, or maybe you'll see her in Stovacor. It's tough to say. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and speaking of that funeral, it, it felt you know, you know again very traditional for it to be the 24th century i mean that mm-hmm. that's fine and everything people like certain traditions they hold on to those traditions maybe even for hundreds of years um but you know th- this is a burial unlike anything we've seen on star trek before we you know the most prominent uh burial that we've seen was uh blasting a guy in a torpedo tube into space mm-hmm. and um I was thinking, you know, these days in particular, as of the recording of this show, there's a lot of interest in more, say, eco-friendly methods of disposing of the dead. But here we are a few hundred years in the future, and you got the traditional, the big casket with the metal and the, you know, the hole in the ground and everything. But I guess you also have a a lot of room on that very sparsely populated planet. I was going to say,
0: ecology goes out the window once you start finding Class M planets all over the place. Sure, who cares? I think the reason to start colonizing other planets is so we can use styrofoam again. <laughs> right,
2: right. Because
0: <laughs> it keeps the hot side hot and the cold side
2: cold, oh, John. I, I, no, I know, but not for more than 20 years, Ken. Not for more than 20 years. I know yeah. it's not healthy now, mm-hmm. but someday <laughs> we're, on that, like, uh, we're orbiting the planet Styrofoamia. Guess
0: why we're yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it keeps right. the hot side hot and the cold side cold.
2: Uh, and then you get the same lukewarm burger you had all along. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. We ha- had a- another reference to Nana's medical abilities. Uh, mm-hmm. remember that Beverly had mentioned before her use of herbs and other healing agents. We got that way, way back. in season one, I think, was Arsenal of Freedom when she had to treat Picard, you know, and she didn't have her medical kit. And, uh, and we so recently learned about Nana's vegetable soup. So really filling out the character here for Nana. I thought that was good, that uh, there was more to her. Too bad that we don't have that gingerbread recipe. You can only get that if you watch it on Blu-ray. On the so, Blu-ray, yeah. Yeah, check that out if you want. Um, I was really impressed that this colony had a super advanced weather control system. Mm-hmm. Because you remember it's only been very recently that we've had the Enterprise crew dealing with ecological disasters on other planets, and Either Jordy or Data saying like, "No, we can't do that. Or if we do that, it'll be a temporary fix at best." This place, this place has got it all. They can turn the weather on and off as they please. If you want to roll in a fog? They can do that. If you want to stop the rain? You can do that. I, I, they've they are set. They absolutely are set. And and they mentioned that they wanted to make sure there was no rain the next afternoon because there was a caber toss. <sighs> Yeah, Cabertas can. They could I not know. be more Scottish if they tried. Well, they could. There were no Lucky Charms. That's yeah. That that that's Irish. Can you know, Lucky Charms? What's the difference? The colony was Scottish. What? Yeah, no, the colony was Scottish. And if it isn't Scottish, it's crap. <laughs>
0: and scene please please do not send the emails because i know there's a difference we were doing a saturday night live thing and if you haven't seen the it's a bit yeah was that the name of the store actually if it's not scottish
2: it's crap i I think it was everything scottish but everything scottish that's right yeah that's right it's not scottish it's crap yeah (laughs) yeah good times yeah look i know we're gonna get more into the kind of Curious discussions of sex in this episode, but there is mm-hmm. some sly conversation about sex in the twenty fourth century. Nana's a hundred, mm-hmm. and Ronan's in his thirties, and Picard's sort of like, huh? Wow, in yeah. his thirties. Okay, that's how it works with the Howard women.
0: Okay. Yeah, phrases you never want to hear. Though mm-hmm. I did fall asleep reading a particularly erotic chapter in my grandmother's journal. Oh no! I know. Dune, no, dude. No, I know. Well, so we will have a mature right. and adult conversation about sex, um, a, a, as adults and as older adults later in the show. In the meantime, I stand by my statement. I don't want to hear the phrase, and I certainly don't want to utter the phrase except yeah. in this show. Uh-huh. I did fall asleep reading a particularly erotic chapter in my grandmother's journal.
1: We're
2: we're done with that. We're done with that.
0: Mm, I don't know if it makes you squirm. Me, I might say it two or three <laughs> more times. <just> go,
2: <laughs> you know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out what exactly was the inspiration for the character of Ned. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if uh, Brannon or a Jerry Taylor or somebody, did, did one of them just say to themselves, huh, I know we've had a Scottish character named <laughs> Scotty for 25 years, but maybe people don't believe our commitment to portraying Scottish characters in Star Trek. Yeah. So he's, he's even got the Scottish accent. He's from uh, he's from Galway.
0: He is. He, <laughs> was he is. From Galway. Was it from Dublin? Where no, was he well, from? they Some ah, someplace yeah. Scottish. I know it was that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. they're interchangeable.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally. So Beverly took the last name Crusher when mm-hmm. she married Jack. But every other woman in her family history had the last name Howard so okay, don't, don't don't you worry because uh, Howard, don't don't you worry
0: believe okay. me that is the least to worry about in this episode
1: it feels like someone should have been selling giant turkey legs outside of nana's cemetery and flowery headbands and maybe a leather goblet
2: All right, Ken, I know that we're at the part of the show where we have to do the serious, in-depth, uh, really thoughtful, heavy-hitting stuff. I know. The hard-hitting expose of sex and your grandmother. Yes. All right. <laughs> just, okay. Just keep throwing that out. Um, but, but before we get to that, I... I look, it, there, there's something just so weird about this episode that I feel like I have to address, that I, I have to sort of work out in my mind. And by in my mind, I mean to an audience through a microphone yeah um there's something really bizarre about uh the federation having a scottish theme park masquerading as a colony on a faraway planet um there is just a huge level of theming going on here even down to nana's house um (laughs) Look, I have friends who are very dedicated to mid-century art and design. Like mm-hmm. uh, they wear the clothes. You walk into the house, and all the furniture is vintage from the period, and it, it's a sort of like a museum, but a fun museum, Sorry, right?
0: Can I ask a question really quickly? By yeah.
2: by, I have friends. Do
0: you mean? Yeah, I.
2: <laughs> no. no. Well, right. maybe. Maybe okay. a little bit. All
0: right. Uh, I was say okay. Mr. Nehru jacket. Mr. Yeah,
2: uh, I know. Yeah, yeah I, I happen
0: know. to know you have a set of cutlery from, uh, uh, from TWA in the mid-50s.
2: Yes. Of course, I happen yes. to know this because I gave it to you, but I happen to know that you would like it. And, and it happens to be sitting on a sarin and tulip table yeah. with... Uh, yeah. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, But look, but but those people like myself, we all have uh, computers and and microwave ovens Mm. and and other things that allow us to sort of live in the current day as well. Yeah. So there's something really odd about this, like 19th century farmhouse. Right. Um, Even, uh, you know, my family for years have had this little cabin in rural Georgia. But but even there, there's a TV and you can kind of sort of hop on the Internet and you can make a phone call and and you can do that other kind of stuff. There's something that I really like about the idea that in, in this in the pursuit of happiness, part of this future that we're projecting in the 24th century, that. People have the freedom to live in that future exactly the way they want to live. Agrarian society? Done. Or, oh, you, you want to live on a space station? Done. Cool. In this case, you want to live in a facsimile of a 19th century Scottish village? You can. I think that's awesome. But it's also really, really weird. And look, I I know that this is Star Trek and Star Trek's not real. And and we have to take everything as metaphor and storytelling and fiction. Um, But this is something that is so dead on specific. I I was thinking about, okay, you and I both love Disneyland. Yes. Can't take that away from me. I go there a lot. That's one of the perks of living where I do. Mm -hmm. And there's something that I love about Disneyland that some people don't get that it is a place created to tell a story and you pay your ticket and you go in and you become a part of that story for that day. Right. And, um, and everywhere you look in a certain land, it looks like that land. And and you are a part of that action. It's immersive theater, you know, and, and the architecture plays a role, a big, big role in that. Mm -hmm. But then you think about celebration, Florida celebration, this little town that Disney designed and built. And, I think it's a really cool idea because, you know, that from a design point of view, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be beautiful. Um, It will be well thought out, well planned. But then you move real people in Mm -hmm. real people have to live their lives and real people who have different points of view than their neighbors and different tastes than their neighbors. And the amount of buy in then that it takes from the people living there to maintain that theming, to maintain that sort of uh, uh, big picture vision that this little community is trying to project. It, it's, I, I'm at once fascinated and kind of want that, but I'm also horrified by that. Well, I mean, you're talking about it in terms of Disney, I don't really
0: understand like the whole places where you can buy houses that. Or part of a homeowners association where you then have homeowners association fees where you spend, you know, however much money so that somebody can tell you, you know, how high your grass is allowed to get before you're going to be fined or or whether or not you can put a lawn decoration on your lawn. And and by the way, don't bother checking the bylaws. The answer is no. (laughs) More, More often than not, apparently. I mean, that's not it's not a way that I've ever chosen to live. Um, And I might be lying if I said that I actually could choose to do it. But even if I could, I wouldn't. I mean, it's just not I'm I'm more of an apartment in the middle of the city kind of guy
2: Mm -hmm. than Mm
0: -hmm. I am a, you know, or a house, you know, somewhere near the city. I'm not I'm not suburbs and I'm really not. Let me pay you to tell me how I can live Um, as far as, you know, whether my lawn is decorated enough or whether I can let the kids draw, you know, and chalk on the sidewalk for that matter.
2: Yeah. Well, there was something in that conversation with Ned. Uh, 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 kind of berating Beverly like I know, I'm know i not going to do the accent. No, I'm just not. But he, he's saying to her you know, you, your world of starships and science where you don't believe in the supernatural and I'm thinking like, Ned, the only reason you're here is because you're you took a starship from Earth wait, wait, to wait.
0: get to the Scottish theme park. Okay, first of all he never gave the speech about yeah, your science and your starships. So my guess is that you actually saw that
2: in the Blu-ray. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. There was much more extensive of that. In okay. Blu- yeah. Yeah. It's an extension of a scene. Yeah. Right. He certainly could have lived there, though.
0: I mean, he could have been born mm-hmm. there. He didn't necessarily take a starship. The place was built 100 years ago, and that's only in his, what, 50s or 60s, maybe. So he, he sure. could easily have been born there. Don't know how I got the accent on Although I guess, you know, maybe there are lots of people just like him. I mean, because that's the thing. You say it's theming, but they actually decided to go there. They even took stones from buildings, in all of the places that they wanted to try to recreate so they could recreate it. It Mm -hmm. is kind of a weird, it's a weird almost like... um It's a strange sort of almost nationalism, maybe.
2: Well, I I was about to say there's there's like a weird political implication about all of this as well. Like, you know, we we joked before that, uh, okay, well, now we have all this land. We have all these M class planets. If you want to be wasteful, cool. You can be wasteful there until your population grows to such an extent that you can't do that anymore. But you can also (laughs) create this little political enclave where, again, everybody has to buy in. Everybody has to buy in to exactly the vision that you're creating. There, it just happens that this vision is a very specific, very old version of Scotland. That's sort of a fairy tale version of Scotland.
0: It's actually only the first generation that has to buy in, though. It's just the people who go there because then once you're born, I mean, you can rebel against your parents just the way people have done, you know, since since
2: kids were kids. And can you imagine that if you are a kid who grows up there and go, wait? i don't have to light candle. you mean there are spaceships <laughs> wait you mean that that i could literally be matter transported to another place in seconds why are we here okay well i think you see you're uh, well all
0: right here's the problem you're mm. assuming quite a bit based on what we've got let's go back to what you said in trivia this is a woman who like wanted to write a gothic romance right And she sort of, like, laid Star Trek over it. We don't know that they don't have transporters. I mean, witness the fact that Beverly, in part of the backstory that was, you know, cut out, witness the fact that Beverly married a, a Starfleet dude and moved to Earth. And, you know, I mean, they know about Starfleet. They know that they've got a weather control system. Even groundskeeper Willie knew that they had a weather control system. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, but it's breaking. And she's like, well, yeah, because things break. And he's like, yeah, but it's a ghost that's breaking it. So, uh, I mean, he knows yeah, the technology yeah. is there. He's aware yeah. of all of that. It's just he's choosing. I mean, I would liken it, it, it without, the, without the religious aspect, I would liken it, honestly, to the, to the Amish or the Mennonites. Mm-hmm, Maybe mm-hmm. the Mennonites more than the Amish, actually, because the Amish are like, no, no phones, nothing. And as I understand it, the Mennonites are a little like, yeah, but, you know, there is actually this whole world that exists outside. So we're going to meet them. Let's go, I don't know, thirty seventy or something. Yeah. And, I, and 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 forgive me, I don't know anything about the Mennonites. I apologize. I just <laughs> I, I get the sense that they as a people are more accepting of of the world as it is outside of their community today. And, uh, and the various uh, technologies and comforts that yeah. it affords.
2: No, like I said, I, I kind of love it. The the idea that you can carve out this place that is exactly the kind of place that you want to be. And maybe there's enough colonists who have the exact same vision as you. And yeah, yeah if you all live out your lives in that exact same vision, wow, that, that's really cool. Also a little terrifying. Also a little weird. <laughs> but... But that's what they chose. So yeah,
0: really quickly, here's what I will say though: You want to make Scotland great again? Fine, yeah, do it someplace else. And then they're like, right. "Okay, you got it, man. I'm gonna, I'll, yeah. I'll, I will make my country great again on another planet."
2: Right? Cool, dude. Yeah. So excellent. Mm-hmm. And I will
0: see you if you ever get bored and decide to come back to this planet. All right, let's talk about something that that, that I like in this episode. Okay. All right. Um. So, <laughs> hang tight. Uh, Your grandmother, Uh your nana, your your Gibby, your Grammy, Mm -hmm. your more, more, and your far more. Okay. Uh, All of these people had sex. Not together. Oh, okay. As far as you know. But they did all have sex. And we know that because you get to hear these words. I say get to hear these words, have to hear these words, whatever. Um, I honestly like the fact, and I know we've joked about it and sort of like, you know, I don't want to think about my grandmother having sex, but, but I like the fact that we are actually talking about sex, you know, besides between two teenagers or between two 28-year-olds or even between two 30-something-year-olds, right? I like that we're talking mm-hmm. about sex in this episode after 50, after 60, after 90, for crying out loud. When I was 18... I doubt that I thought that people in their 50s had sex, but now in my 40s, oh, fingers crossed, <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> right.
0: I like I the fact that, I mean, I like the fact that, aside from Picard, I mean, really all Picard seemed to be thinking, and maybe it's because I'm wondering about the relationship between Picard and Crusher, all Picard seemed to be thinking was, wow, I wonder if I could keep up, right? Yeah. He wasn't thinking, oh, you're a hundred-year-old Nana was having sex with a 34-year-old man? Gross. He was more like fair play to Nana. All right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think I actually like that. I like the fact yeah. that they weren't like, "Ooh, she was sleeping with somebody." Oh, she was sleeping with somebody younger. It's more like, "Oh, she's sleeping with a ghost." Okay, that's where it kind of falls apart. <laughs> I'll <laughs> right. grant you. No,
2: I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I liked that moment that Picard had. It, it was played for laughs, but it wasn't a laugh at the expense right. of nana yeah it was just it was about picard like you said trying to keep up right and there was something about it because look next gen as of us recording the show is 30 years old mm-hmm. and it was a show that was on multiple times of the day aimed at multiple audiences and they're not going to get really deep or really progressive about discussing the sex lives of people in the 24th century but they've left us these little clues all along mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes to the uh, Riker and Dana Troy relationship in particular, um, and these little hints of the on but mostly off thing with uh, uh, Picard and Crusher, these little hints of what was or what could be. And um, this is another one of those examples of Star Trek saying yeah, hey, we're, we're cool with this. Old people, old people are people, too. And old people uh, maybe sometimes like to get it on, and none of us should be weirded out by that. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: I, I'm actually getting to an age where I don't want you to say old people anymore.
2: No, okay. I <laughs> uh, will say uh, people of an advanced age. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, maybe you're okay. just going to offend me no matter what you say at this point. Okay. Right. Yeah. People, hey, 18-year-old kid watching this show. Yeah, people are people, even if they're 60. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying whatever, but I am saying whatever. Um, There's uh, certainly a lot to dislike in this episode, I think. Yep. Uh, This episode reminded me a lot of Space Seed. uh, Specifically, Mm. what I hated about Space Seed when we saw it, which was the relationship between Khan and MacGyver's. Um, Yeah. This has a lot of markings of an abusive relationship, and it goes from zero to 60. Now, with Khan and MacGyver's, MacGyver's was just, like, into it. I mean, you could argue that Beverly is being, you know, dosed with some sort of anamorphic something or other. And, of course, I'm assuming, since he's sort of not physical, that he's able to sort of get some sort of psychic something or other off of her as well. So she says things to Crusher, like, he knew exactly how to touch me. Or he knew exactly how I like to be touched. Right? So, I mean, I mean, there are a couple of things going on. First of all, we don't know what is happening to her physically in some respects. Um, uh, by dealing with this anaphasic energy, but then also we we uh, we seem to be given to understand that he's got a little bit of a um a little bit of an advantage because I don't know if he can read her mind or if he just you know like has a way into her psyche or what. The abusive parts. I mean, first of all, he does take liberties, as I said before, which is which is putting it very mildly. But I was more thinking just about the relationship side of it. Um, There is uh, the fact that he's isolating Beverly from her friends and he's isolating Beverly from her interests. Now, maybe he's not doing that. I I tend to think he is, but maybe he's not. Maybe she's doing that because she thinks nobody would understand. And it would just, you know, it needs to just be the two of them because, you know, he he but but like in no time he becomes like everything in her world. Mm -hmm. She's going to quit being a doctor. She's going to quit flying on a spaceship. She's going to go move back to, you know, (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> this Disney version of uh, of Scotland, and and it seems to make a case for that being a bad thing. Where it sort of falls apart, though, is when she kind of seems to make it okay. Um, Yeah, you had a note that I actually stole and I apologize, but um,
2: (laughs) fair enough. It it belongs here.
0: Why is Beverly always terrified in the moment? You know, the dream or that first encounter with Ronan, then all smiles the next day. It's sort of celebrating the person doing the violating because, hey, it's all right in the end and she's good with it. Uh, That's what your note said. And yeah, that seems Mm -hmm. to be a thing here. Beverly seems to let Ronan off the hook um, in the end, even. Well, she doesn't let him off the hook. I mean, she's not sorry she killed him, except she does say she is a bit sad. Because he made her grandmother happy, um, but what we're getting is she is wistful for the abuser. Yeah, and and that that you know I'm going to go out on a limb and say that feels wrong.
2: Whoa, taking a controversial <laughs> stance there, Ken. I'm <laughs> a little uh, yeah. No, look, uh, I mean, I. The difficulty with this episode is that you can tell what they thought they were doing. Can you? Go ahead. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I mean, this gothic romance with these big, you know, uh, uh, supernatural themes, but the supernatural is really an alien. And we're going to give Beverly something to do that goes well beyond how we've uh, seen her in the show. But from those first few scenes that played out with Beverly being terrified at night Mm -hmm. and the next day sitting there with a smile on her face and telling Deanna what how she felt and how happy she was um it really felt icky and you you nailed it that that you said that you know Ronan whatever it is that he's doing he's manipulating the situation he's manipulating her right and uh, we want Beverly to be stronger than that. It takes Picard to come in and, and sort of help her figure out, oh, this guy who I can ask some very simple questions of that he won't be able to answer. This is what will reveal what's actually going on here. Um, y- y- you want uh, it, because Beverly's is a star of this show. I wanted Beverly to be the stronger character in this show. Right. But. She's the one who's being manipulated throughout, and yes, it, it, it's it's an abusive relationship. He seems to be the one to stand to gain everything from it. Mm-hmm. But the idea that they would couch this and well, but but grandmother was happy. Yeah. Well, 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 well was she? I mean we're we're going by her journals but were her journals half written by Ronan. This is one of the things that makes this um that makes this
0: episode particularly difficult. I mean I can almost go back to huh, can almost go back to um this side of paradise. They've set up mm-hmm. something that's almost impossible here, right? Yeah. I mean, grandma seems really happy. Every woman seems to have been happy before. Ronan argues that he loved all of them and they all loved him, too. And Beverly's got journals that indicate that, yeah, that is actually the case. There's there's no real indication here that she would not be happy living the rest of her life in that cabin or in that in that house with Ronan. Yeah. But she's not who she was before. And she is being manipulated. And she can acknowledge that she's being manipulated. I mean, I'm sorry, I might be jumping to the end here a bit, but this episode doesn't seem to actually know what it is it's trying to say, because you would think that it would be saying, wow, this abusive relationship is bad. Except in the end, she's like, yeah, the abusive relationship was bad, but oh, the feels, Mm -hmm. which I got to figure, I mean, is half the reason that people stay in abusive relationships anyway. I mean, there are some times where you're, you're forced to stay in an abusive relationship because you don't see any way out. And that's not even just emotionally. That can also be like somebody denying you the resources that you would need to move safely from one place to another. Yeah, I mean, you could be talking about stalker behavior. You could be talking about any number of things there. But I mean, but then to end on the note of, yeah, but the feels, you know, it's sort of like, I mean, that doesn't even feel like that doesn't feel like sympathy with Beverly's cause there. It feels more like, well, like I said, it's her being wistful for her abuser. And I know that people have to feel that way. But I don't know that that's necessarily the... I don't know that that's the message with which we should end. Because in the end, it feels like justification. I mean, even though he got his comeuppance, even though he died, it feels like, oh, but maybe it wasn't so bad. And then, and then I don't know what we're trying to say.
1: With Ronan, safely sent to oblivion. It is time to see what we can take. From Sub Rosa. Up.
0: This is one of those episodes, John. This is one of those episodes. Remember as we were approaching Spock's brain, everybody was like, oh, you have to do Spock's brain. Right? And then uh, other episodes I can't think of right now, but this is one of those episodes. I do know somebody who loves this episode.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, this is one of those things where we got email way in advance yeah. of people either saying like, oh, I can't wait till you get to Sub-Rosa to hear you tear it apart, or you're about to get to Sub-Rosa, don't tear it apart. Really? So again, it just goes back to the, the, the theory that every episode is somebody's favorite and somebody's least favorite.
0: A uh, credit to my friend who is a fan of this episode. She was also like, yeah, rip it to shreds if it needs to. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, so it's not like, oh, no, but I like that one. I mean, this isn't like, um, what are the other ones we're supposed to have fun with? Like, uh, like I mud. This is not oh, like yeah. I mud where everybody was like, oh, come on, just have a good time with it. Because, yeah, yeah just have a good time with the. See, every term I think of is either something that I wouldn't say in good conscience or undersells it. Because to say the lascivious ghost. I mean, that just sounds like a wacky screwball comedy.
2: (laughs) No, look, the the word is rapist. Okay. Yeah. And yet it hurts to hear. I mean, Beverly's assaulted. She is. Well,
0: she is. And this is the thing. And this is why I hate the way this episode is done. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be asking you. I'm supposed to be letting you say. But let me really quickly say the reason I hate the way this episode is done is because because she is willing to let it go. I'm willing to let it go. Like you yeah. say, she's assaulted, and I'm like, yeah, she's assaulted, but and no, no, but she is in fact assaulted in this episode. And the fact that I like the Crusher character, and the Crusher character is kind of okay with what happened, kind of sort of makes me want to be okay with what happened. Yeah, and 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 I'm angry that it was written that way because no, this is actually wrong. And and the fact that look, if this were her, like trying to come to terms with it, even then I might be well, okay, let let her sort of deal. But it's not even that we're given to understand that she's fine in the end. And, and in fact, because she's fine in the end, she's actually fine with what happened, too. But you know what? I apologize again. I'm sort of I'm sort of uh, derailing and, and I, I shouldn't have done that. What I should do is start with what we do, because this is the part where we talk about the messages, morals and meanings and try to figure out whether the episode stands the test of time, whether the episode holds up. John, does this episode hold up?
2: Oh, we're there. We're there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, no. Okay, Uh, but but that that doesn't mean that it it is completely irredeemable. There are good things to say about it. Gates, the actor is fine when she's good. She's really good when she's given an opportunity to act. She really brings it to the table. You know, Mm -hmm. there is another aspect of the story that I like Uh, in, in horror movies. Here's how the ghost stories are handled. Uh, you you establish that people are afraid that there might be a ghost. We don't really know that there's a ghost. And then by the time you get to the end of the movie, you just reveal they're really terrifying ghosts. And all those people were right to be afraid of the ghost because ghosts are real and they're coming after you. Right. Okay. Um, but, it, you know, in those, it's never really handled by just a simple real world explanation. Um, in Star Trek, though... We have the, okay, here's what's really happening, and it's nothing supernatural. We have that answer. Mm-hmm. And and I like seeing that. I like seeing a little sigh in my sci-fi, if you will. Um, and look, like I said, there's something that I can at least sort of wrap my mind around what the writers producers are trying to do here it's an attempt at a mood piece something that is a gothic romance kind of thing and i've said it before as stretchy a format As Star Trek is and it can handle a lot you can we've seen Star Trek pretend to be a courtroom drama before and that worked well Mm -hmm. and we've seen Star Trek do comedy before and that has worked well but Eh. this isn't well (laughs) it it has sometimes it has sometimes not all the time Um, but this isn't a story that is working well on top of the Star Trek format it's just not and and I think the, the thing that I can't get away from, and you really put a, a button on it in the last segment, is this abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there, there isn't any sort of good way to describe or, or to let go of the idea that this is an assault on Beverly and... The scenes that weird me out are the next morning where she's perfectly fine with what happened. Oh, Mm -hmm. oh, this is romantic. This is fun. Mm -hmm. Well, it it wasn't a few hours ago. A few hours ago, it was terrifying. And this person is manipulating you. But then, like you said, well, it just comes back to the feeling. Well, well, it felt like it was fun. It felt like this was new and exciting and wonderful, but it's actually something abusive. And, and there, there's a real-world parallel to this. There's a real-world thing going on here where people are in abusive relationships. But, well, it, it kind of brings up these other feelings, and, and, and it kind of works. And I can say that I'm happy, so the abuse sort of maintains itself or the relationship sort of maintains itself that way it's this is a bizarre story for star trek to have tried to tell anyway Mm -hmm. and it just feels like they fumbled the ball every time when they tried to tell it i want star trek to deal with complex relationships i want star trek to deal with things that are unsavory from time to time um again i i think that star trek is flexible enough to do that this was not the way to do that Mm -hmm. um so no it 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 doesn't hold up even though there are things in here to like at the end of the day this does not hold up it does not work uh how about you well
0: um not to be indelicate parts of it are hot i mean gates mcfadden is an attractive woman and when she is in the throes of passion if you will um it's yeah i mean it's interesting because you said you know this was on yeah, several times a day and they had to be conscious of who was watching it she's having sex with a ghost and mm-hmm. and if you know if you know anything so let's say like maybe when you were 10 or 11 watching this you wouldn't have had any idea when you're 12 or 13 you have an idea of what's going on with her i think and mm-hmm. so that's kind of weird when you just said um well, let me go ahead with that for a second. I mean, there is something to be said for portrayal of passion. There is something to be said even for power play. I, I mm-hmm. said in our uh, Space seat episode, there's something to be said for that, for seeing that in adult relationships, if both people are consenting. This is not that. I mean, yeah. this is not that thing. I mean, so, I mean, I can kind of understand if you're willing to not look at anything but what's happening on screen immediately, right? Because you said earlier that, um, that, that Picard was able to sort of shake Beverly out of it. Well, she was, he was able to shake Beverly out of it because they were dealing with a literal, actual monster. Right? Yeah. Not dealing yeah. with a guy. Because if they were dealing yeah. with a guy, that's a harder thing to shake someone out of, it seems. I mean, if you, can, if you could go to someone and say, no, look, see, in his real form, he has tentacles and, like, big, sharp teeth. Uh, he's what we on the planet Earth would call Cthulhu. <laughs> If you you can do that, then you win. But then all Picard really has to do is come out with the sciencey science reason, right? Yeah. The Scottish theme part, as you put it, moving on to other things that don't work in this episode, makes Mm -hmm. no sense at all, especially run by an alien that even Memory Alpha says is of indeterminate origin. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. You said a minute ago as well that you like to see Star Trek deal with complex relationships. And if they had done that, that would be great. Um yeah. Last week, I wanted less family stuff. This week, I want less tech. This week, I honestly want less Star Trek in the Star Trek because mm-hmm. there's a really important issue being well I was going to say really important issue being discussed here, but it 's not being discussed it 's being walked around it 's being talked around. I would have been really good with forty eight minutes of discussing this relationship. And choosing yeah. to end it, not because he's going to kill Data and going to kill Jordy, but because their relationship is consuming her, right? Lose the tech, the tech stuff, because assuming the writer is saying what I hope the writer is saying, we're in danger of losing that message. I mean, once it becomes a ghost story, once we find out that it really is a ghost, and it's not a ghost, but it's a monster. I mean, once mm-hmm. we decide because you're a monster, you have to go away. But the problem is it's it's an, according to Hoyle, monster Not just, Mm -hmm. like, somebody that you would look at and go, that dude's a monster. I mean, he's actually a monster, right? I really wish he hadn't actually been a monster. I wish he had actually been, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you would actually write it in the science fiction sense, but I wish we had spent 48 minutes talking about what was really going on with Beverly, because we see something very destructive happening, and in the end, it's all wiped away because science, or because science fiction, or because fantasy, or because we're at minute 47. We really need this to wrap up. So let's say metaphasic something. Well, we can't say metaphasic because then you will want to throw the candle in the sun. Okay, well, let's say anaphasic then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Right. That's fine. It's not that Gates, Gates McFadden is bad. I, I feel sorry for uh, Freak's honestly, that he got handed this script, because usually I've been very impressed with his direction. Man, I don't know what anybody could have done with this, except say, can I have another one? <laughs> can I pick yeah, again?
2: It, it, no, it, it needed a rewrite to figure out what the core of the story was going to be here. You know, it had it been something where... And maybe Beverly wasn't even the right character to do this with, and Mm -hmm. and probably not Deanna Troy either. And I I don't know who that character is. But but yeah, what what you're getting at is something very different, which is, oh, wait, we're actually going to explore something here about not having this kind of terrible relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of just defeat the monster, everybody go home. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that that would have been an entirely different
0: episode. Right. Um, but once you can like straight up legit say he is a monster. Well, of yeah. course, she's going to walk away from him because he is a monster. Yeah. If you if you can, you know, metaphysically or metaphorically say he's a monster. And then trying to get her, you know, out of that. Yeah. Then you've got uh, then you got something, you know, real. And something that, you know, then you would say, why why is my child having to watch this? (laughs) Oh, you're right. Okay, we'll put a monster in. Does that make it better? Yes, that makes it much better. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So did it it deliver a message then? I guess that's my other question. Because I'm watching it the whole time thinking that it is about that thing, that it's about the abusive relationship, except that message is undercut, first of all, by the fact that he's actually a physical monster. And then second, by her saying at the end, but he was sweet. Was there a message here as far as you're concerned?
2: The only way that I can remotely put a silver lining around this cloud is to say, just to go back to that thing about, yeah, well, if he's literally a monster and we're just going to treat it like that. um, The message here is, remember, there is no such thing as ghosts Um, in Scooby-Doo. It was just an old man with a mask (laughs) trying to get insurance money out of an abandoned amusement park. In this case, it's just an old alien in a hot young guy mask trying to take corporeal form by living in a human host body. Mm. um so yeah
0: it all yeah. comes it all comes back to scooby-doo although i, I do yeah. have to, i have to correct you on one thing i'm afraid mm-hmm. uh, you don't put a silver lining around a cloud because then uh, it's no longer a lining you've just got a silver cloud
2: oh nice yeah nice. which would be cool uh, I'll the, yeah i'll take that silver cloud <laughs> if yeah. you if nice. you can put a
0: silver lining around the cloud
2: yeah you're a winner mission log is produced by roddenberry entertainment executive producer rod roddenberry now, Roddenberry does all kinds of stuff when you're not watching, including a podcast or two or three or more. You can check out this show as well as Women at Warp and Priority One at podcast.roddenberry.com. Hey, if you want to help support us directly, patreon.com slash mission log is a fine place to do that. For more exciting Star Trek podcasts, you can check out Trek FM. That's trek.fm. And for the latest in Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit trekmovie.com. Next week, Lower Decks.
1: Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages, by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. My candle burns at both ends. No. Let us try. And it seems to me, Ronan lived his life, like a candle in the... No. Tell you what. Let us just say end transmission. End transmission.